Hey everyone, and a very happy Good Friday to you. Along with Jesus' birth and his resurrection, today we observe one of the three most important moments of his life, his death on the cross and the great significance that that holds for many of us. We have another long reading today, but as I mentioned yesterday, I think it's incredibly important for us to hear these words for ourselves. Uh, the good news is, though, that as we do, I believe that the Lord has power, truth, and love for each of us uh, as we open ourselves up and make ourselves available to his word in our lives. There are a number of characters in today's reading, and uh, these characters have a number of different reactions to Jesus. Uh, these characters are the Jewish religious leaders, uh, a couple different groups referred to um, kind of collectively. There was the Roman leader Pilate, there was the crowd or the mob, the Roman soldiers in general, and finally one Roman soldier in particular, the centurion. I encourage you to listen for each of these characters as we read and to pay close attention for how they react to Jesus because I think that there's a lot that we can learn through them. Let's go ahead and pray for God's guidance before we dive into the text. Father, we're thankful for another day and another opportunity uh, to engage with your word and engage with one of the greatest moments and the greatest story ever told. We pray for clarity as we listen, and we pray that you would uh, speak loudly and clearly to us uh, a word of grace and a step of faith for our day today. Amen. So I'm going to read in Mark chapter 14, beginning where we left off yesterday in verse 53, um, and read down through Mark chapter 15, all the way to verse 39. Mark 14, 53. They took Jesus to the high priests, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophecy! And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, 
This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, he will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who were passing by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemai sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elisha. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. 
The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Before we begin reading, we mentioned the characters that we would encounter in this passage and the varied responses that they had to Jesus. I wonder, which of these characters stood out to you? And and what do you think it was about Jesus that made them respond as they did? For me, it was the Roman governor, Pilate. I'm going to share my reflections on his response to Jesus, but I want to encourage you that it's okay to pause or stop this devotional here if another character stood out to you. You have the questions to consider. Uh, You know that you're listening for a word of grace and for your next step of faithful response to that grace. The Spirit is with you, and Jesus is your leader. So feel free to just go and be with him on your own right now. As for me, as I've read Pilate's interaction with Jesus many times, um, I have to say that the first few times I saw Pilate as the bad guy, and obviously to some degree he was, he had the power to stop what was happening to Jesus, and he didn't. He, he tried to wipe his hands clean of the matter, claiming no responsibility by simply giving the Jews what they asked for. But that decision ultimately sealed Jesus' fate on the cross. The more I've read of this moment between Jesus and Pilate, though, the softer I've become toward him. Mark made clear that Pilate saw no criminal in Jesus, nor did he see any threat That was how the religious leaders had positioned Jesus to Pilate, as a threat to the authority of Rome. Their own pride and jealousy were why they wanted Jesus dead. And when Jesus admitted to being the Messiah, they had an excuse to kill him under their religious law, the crime of blasphemy, of being a human and claiming to be God. The problem was that Roman law prevented the Jews from executing anyone based on their beliefs. The Romans didn't care about Jewish laws. They let the Jews have their own religion as a means of keeping the peace, but they didn't care if every Jew went around claiming to be God. The whole religion was foolishness to them. What the Romans cared about, though, was power. They ruled the world, and they wanted to hold their position. So it was that the Jewish leaders came to Pilate claiming Jesus as a rebel and a revolutionary. They called him king of the Jews not because they thought he was, but because that title would be a threat to Pilate. If he believed that Jesus was to cause a problem, he would simply use his power to eliminate him. In verse 2 of chapter 15, Pilate openly questions Jesus about it. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus had been brought to him in humble shape, his face already bruised and swollen from the beating that the religious leaders had given him. He hadn't been putting up any sort of fight when they drug him into Pilate's chamber. And I think Pilate was wondering what was going on. I I imagine the room going silent, waiting for Jesus' answer to the question. And then it finally broke. You have said so. This wasn't what they wanted to hear, so they jumped in loudly with all sorts of false claims against Jesus. Yet the Lord never defended himself. The text says that when Pilate saw this, he was amazed. Aren't you going to answer? I think this is what really started to grab Pilate's attention. What's going on with this guy? He 
looks so meek and humble, but he's completely in control. He has nothing to hide. He has nothing to hide. Those words circled in Pilate's head over and over again until he could see for himself the foolishness of what was happening to Jesus. Pilate attempts to free Jesus by offering uh, to release him as part of the Passover festival. Verse 10 says that he knew it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed him over to be killed. But the mob had already been turned and Pilate's plan backfired as they demanded that Jesus be crucified. How ironic that the one person who had the power to set Jesus free became so powerless in the moment of truth. The question for me is why? What happened here? I think the answer is found in verse 15, wanting to satisfy the crowd. In the end, Pilate's position was what validated him. In other words, what made him feel valuable and worthwhile. And that position was dependent on what other people thought of him. If he had stood up to the religious leaders uh, or to the crowds, they may have turned on him and he could have, have lost what gave him his sense of identity. In the end, Jesus stood in the way of public opinion and risked his position and power. My sense is that Pilate was deeply conflicted. There was part of him that believed that Jesus was innocent. I don't know that he believed he was the Messiah, but there was something undeniably good about this man. At the same time, he had a well-worn pattern in his life, a pattern of competition and conquest and winning the game of only the strong survive. He was a successful man. How could he lose that over someone he didn't fully understand? I think there's something about Pilate that is true for each one of us. Each of us have found validation, a feeling of worth and identity in something other than God's opinion of us. For some of us, it may be position just as it was for Pilate. We've worked hard to get where we are. We've, we've made it, finally. Others of us have the attention and the affection of the perfect significant other, or we're finally on the inside of the right social circle. Still others of us have built a life that's secure and comfortable for ourselves and our families. Whatever it is, Jesus comes to each one of us and presents himself in plain sight, just like he did to Pilate and just like he did to every other character in this text. He is gentle and truthful, loving and kind, yet somehow we either accept him or reject him. We either want more of him or less of him. In the end, there's no neutrality with Jesus. The message of Good Friday is a message of love and hope, of the Lord's betrayal for our acceptance, of his sacrifice for our sins, and his death for our life. It is a message of eternal goodness that is ours if we simply believe that it's true. And yet, Good Friday is also an interruption and an inconvenience. His death on the cross is undeniable from a historical perspective, written about extensively in the Bible, the most scrutinized and widely published volume the world has ever known. 
Billions of people around the planet will observe Jesus and the cross and its meaning today. No sane, rational person can miss it. Jesus has come to each of us in plain view, and there is no neutrality. We either accept him or we don't. Today, I encourage you to spend time thinking and praying about your own relationship with Jesus. And if you're not sure whether you've accepted him yet, or if you make the decision that you want to, I want to share with you what was told to me by a mentor a long time ago, that doing so is as simple as ABC. Admit that you're imperfect before God and that you need Jesus' help with that problem. Believe that he was who he says he was and that his gift of grace is for you, that he was cut off from God on the cross so that you could be connected with God forever. And lastly, commit your life to God by following Jesus. Share his identity as a child of God and live for him in every way. I love you all and I'm praying for you all today. And let me pray for you now. Lord, we thank you that you have made yourself and the grace of the gospel plain to us. We confess that we aren't always receptive to your grace. And for that, we ask your forgiveness. Be with us today as we consider the magnitude of the cross and what it means for our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.